Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we re recommend great manga to folks who have not read manga before. Hosted by myself, David Brothers, Deb Aoki, Chris Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky, you can follow along with our reading list at mangasplaining.com. And this week, uh, I'm hosting because Chip chose one of my books that, in hindsight, I might have slightly misrepresented when I pitched it as Garth Ennis <laughs> doing Sesame Street. But it's called Wave Listen to Me uh, by Hiroaki Samura, who's known for uh, Blade of the Immortal, probably first and foremost in North America. And he's sort of known for having a very ornate and detailed art style. Blade of the Immortal had tons of really intricately drawn moments of murder and sword fighting that were really impressive. And I described Wave Listen to me as Garth Ennis doing Sesame Street after Preacher because Blade of the Immortal, horrifically violent. Epic story. Uh, the sexy parts were kind of gross and violent as well. And Wave Listen to me is a drama about a radio station. So it's sort of a complete 180 in terms of content and approach. And essentially, there's a 20-something woman, uh, Minari Koda, who breaks up with her boyfriend and through a ridiculous series of events, ends up ranting about her boyfriend on the radio and somehow parlays that into a job at a radio station thanks to a slightly uh, untrustworthy radio producer. <laughs> and I chose it because it's so... I never saw comics like this when I was a kid. Like, I, I know Love and Rockets existed, and that's sort of like about anything and everything, but stuff like this, I didn't really have a chance to be exposed to. And for it to come from someone who'd been doing adventure comics and like really violent adventure comics at, uh, beforehand, like there's some kind of interesting texture in there for me. And I think I want to start with Deb in terms of getting some takes on what you thought about the book. Deb, how was Wave Listen to Me? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, just because it's. Um... Well, one, I've been to Hokkaido a couple of times, and I've had soup curry, and <laughs> I, I've been to some of the, the you know, Suskino and all those places. So it was kind of like, oh, you know, Hokkaido flavor, right? Mm -hmm. But also, I, I enjoyed the character, Minare's. Um, she's just, um, like, just really uh, ambunctious, really yeah. says stuff, whatever comes to her mind. And she's uh, when she's kind of like, I could, re I could relate to that feeling, right? You know, like you looking for your in your 20s you're looking for love you break you break up and you just get like ah screw it and you just want to drink yourself blind and start you're like ranting and stuff like that and the way that she rants about relationships and her crappy job and stuff like that and thought yeah he's got this right yeah <laughs> <laughs> although then I, but you know I'll, I'll confess that I've not I have not read Blade of the Immortal before mm. because uh, the length of that series is intimidating Mm -hmm. um, uh, 26 volumes, I believe. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and so it's, and it's, it's kind of this, it's kind of this dense uh, samurai supernatural drama, which can be a little hard to follow in the big early volumes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was never really a big fan of his work. So when I checked out Wave, listen to me, it's like, oh my God, this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird and funny and, um, unexpected mm -hmm. uh, i mean the, the way that the stories go like, mm. like there's that story in the second volume. chip did you get to read much more than one volume i, I just read the first volume but ah. uh please feel free to spoil it for me <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a part in the second volume where it it starts to take like a, a ghost story tinge that's mm -hmm. not a ghost story <laughs> like there's blood dripping from the ceiling and they're trying to figure out why there's blood dripping from the ceiling was that the story with the bear? Uh, that's the story with the apartment downstairs. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's it's really hard to describe what this book is about because it's kind of goes in, it just turns on a dime and goes in all kinds of directions, but it's it's entertaining, fun to read. Yeah. The uh, the first sentence of the, uh, the copy online is, Minari is tired of men, she's tired of work, and she's tired of being told she's too old to be single. And that only comes up like once in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to mention, uh, translated by Adam Hirsch and lettered by Darren Smith. And this has so many different pop culture references to Japanese culture. Or references to Japanese culture, I should say, not pop culture references. That it must have been a doozy to translate. But uh, Chip, what did you think about Wave Listen to Me? I really liked it. Yeah, it was 
continuously surprising. Like mm-hmm. I obviously didn't know anything about uh, Blade of the Immortal, so the Garth Ennis Sesame Street thing I didn't quite catch until yeah. you just explained <laughs> it now. <laughs> yeah, the, the translation actually fascinated me. The fact that they retained all of the local references and <laughs> ton just of explained, <laughs> yeah, just explained it to the reader, but in kind of a in a fun way. Mm-hmm. I I really like that because they could have kind of bent over backwards to try and like North Americanize it, I guess, or <laughs> just get rid of those references. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that they kept it uh, made it uh, a fun and educational, which I like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was super charmed by it, and I I loved the main character, and I love her kind of her brashness. Also, because it didn't. Sometimes when you have a brash character like that who just kind of says what they think, it can mm-hmm. be really annoying. But you never really felt that with her character, which is a is a really tricky thing to pull off for a writer. So I was I was surprised at that right away to looking at it. The art was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And the boss, uh, is it Kanetsugu? Uh, Kanetsugu. Yeah. Kanetsugu. Uh, I see exactly where Becky Cloonan gets her men from. Because <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they meet in the bar, I'm like, oh, that's a Becky Cloonan drawing. Wait a second. I know that guy. <laughs> I don't think I noticed that, but absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the R was a, a really great, and then every once in a while it would falter, and uh, it was only in those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, like there's like eight volumes of this. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm. uh, the artist and possibly assistants are, are moving pretty fast, and once in a while there's like the shortcuts that kind of like pull me out a bit, but, mm-hmm. but the great drawings just make up for it so much, and especially the environments. Like, like this rivals Akira in terms of the environments, weirdly enough. Uh, I can see it because of the, the use of perspective um, because he always does a thing. And, you know, in North America, Stuart Immonen does this mm-hmm. maybe more than others, but the use of a subtle three point perspective where when you're looking at a room, uh, all the uh, vertical lines taper down just slightly, oh. just to, it gives you just that weird extra feeling of depth. And it, it's really hard to pull off too. Cause once you pass the horizon line, Mm-hmm. That that all gets super wonky, like this after scene where they're at the uh, where they're at the table. They all sort of get together, and you can really see that there's like like almost a fisheye thing going on with that illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fisheye, uh, but it's but it's like it's almost any establishing shot has that that slight uh, third perspective, which mm. which really elevates the drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I I love it from the art standpoint. I love it from the story standpoint. You know, the only time I was just like, there were, there were a few moments where I was confused by some of the references. Like mm. when he pulls out the, the coin that's pixelated. Oh, yeah. I, it's basically I Pokemon. Okay, watch. <laughs> okay yeah. I, I didn't quite get what was happening there. Yeah. Um, and there, there were a couple of things like that that, that would trip me up once, uh, which is surprising since they did have all the footnotes. And that one, I was just like, oh, I have no idea. I think they assumed that since it was a comic, whoever was reading it would know that about this video game. But they didn't. They expect didn't see me. Chip coming. <laughs> they didn't see Chip I'll, coming. I mean, I'll be honest. Yokai Watch was is, was super. It is was super duper popular in Japan, but never quite caught on here as much. Mm. So in Japan, it's super. Even for I think American readers, like to see this little Yokai Watch coin, mm-hmm. that might be a little obscure. Yeah. yeah. And then doing the mosaicing it out so you don't get sued for showing the trademark. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Yeah. The guy that she works with at the curry soup place, Nakahara, mm-hmm. he was kind of my stumbling block because he's such a creep. <laughs> <laughs> but he's it, but he's weirdly isn't presented as such. Like everyone just kind of like glosses over like these things he's saying. Yeah. But, he's so uh, earnest. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's, I, it's part of the kind of weird magic realism of these kind of stories. It, all the other characters over overlook this, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely didn't uh, care for that character. It's <laughs> <laughs> so one of those guys where you're just like, I guess I should want to know where his story ends up, but I don't. Yeah, like I just kind of I want him to like catch the next bus out of Hokkaido <laughs> and, <laughs> and and and, uh, and and find a new life. Yeah, pledge, pledging his love for women. Um, but yeah, like 
this is the kind of book that I, I, I know I, I keep coming back to this with this podcast where we read these books and I'm just like, oh, maybe I want to do that. Maybe I want to <laughs> incorporate that into my work. But this That's really, awesome. This really hit home because like, I keep thinking about um, North American comics and you know, everything's got to have this weird catch to it. Like, oh, it's they're vampires. Oh, they're superheroes. Oh, they're superhero vampires, which is my next book. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just kind of want to tell a story about a cast of characters going through life, and mm-hmm. and and this does that so well. And the fact that it crosses over between the radio station where uh, the, the the writer artist has clearly done their work. Like they, they understand the mechanics of all of that, but they mm-hmm. also clearly understand the mechanics of the restaurant too. It's like there's like four different manga happening within this one manga. <laughs> yeah. As, as soon as they started focusing on like this this recipe and stuff and like the intergenerational thing, I was like, oh, now is this is this a food manga? Is that <laughs> what we're dealing with now? It's not a radio manga, relationship manga. Like it's um yeah, it's a lot and uh. I was, you know, spoilers. I was, um, I almost laughed when the, after 200 pages, it's like, all right, time to start my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the premise of the book. I'm like, oh yes, manga. Now I understand. Yeah. You <laughs> but can see been, why people got so upset at decompression in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but it made me, it made me want to, uh, it made me want to keep reading. So I, I think this is one of those series I'm definitely going to come back to just to see where it goes. Nice. With, yeah. The creepy boss, Becky Cloonan character. <laughs> uh, Chris, what was your take? I actually can't believe that this was published. <laughs> my, my main take. <laughs> Bandosuk Filth, Chris Butcher, 2021. (laughs) Japanese manga I have ever read in English. Uh, The fact that they didn't uh, localize anything, like pop star names, including like old pop stars that are no longer relevant or radio personalities. Uh, Soup curry is just never explained what soup curry is. And like, (laughs) I've been to Hokkaido a lot, like a lot. And... I've only had soup curry, I think, twice, and only then, like, the first time was two or three years ago. It's, they don't explain that. Uh, They don't explain why this soup curry place also seems to make all of the breads of the world. Like, there's just, (laughs) these are just, like, little things, but the whole book feels very much designed for the audience that reads it in Japan uh, and not necessarily designed for a Western audience. I was kind of convinced that this is the first one that, chip that you were going to bounce off of 100% because it does seem obtuse at times to me. And I have a real insight to a lot of Japanese <laughs> culture from like actively studying it for work. So even yeah, that, but those, but those obtuse moments, like they're, there's a little bit of set decoration. There, there's stuff that would like, it, I'm surely enhance it for mm-hmm. me, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, rely on it to, mm-hmm. to tell you the story. Like, I don't. I don't know what soup curry is. It's my deep regret that we didn't. It's a curry flavored soup. But I can. Yeah, I can. Talked it once. I can put it together in my brain that it's something to do with curry and soup, Mm. and that is probably delicious. And it's pretty. uh, And it's it's a Hokkaido. Like they explained that part that it's from the Hokkaido region. Mm -hmm. So that's that's all I need. I don't need to know how it tastes. I don't need to know. Mm you know, how much it costs or if it's a true delicacy. Uh, it, it's, it gives you enough to be able to follow the story and enjoy the story, which is, which is great. And you learn things as you go along, which I think is um, something that, you know, I could probably stand to do more of in uh, the work that I put out. Yeah. Mm. It's so nice to hear because like, I, I, you know, like a lot of, a lot of manga doesn't come over to America or doesn't get pu- picked for publication because people think it's too Japanese. Mm. That that um, people who aren't deeply marinated in Japanese culture would think, "What what is this?" But I'm so yeah. pleased to hear that you know that you could still follow the story and find it enjoyable. I mean, it's still a story about a young woman who's fed up with her love life and her job in a restaurant. Like mm. this is true. Like yeah. these are all. It's all still <laughs> relatable. I'm not like, what is this strange land where people have jobs and. So radio is this old thing that people used to have. (laughs) Yeah, well, there is there is that part, like the fact that it's you know radio is feels like a bit of a throwback. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that it's a it's a current series, right? Like it's yeah, it's coming, coming out, out now. I think yeah. like chapter sixty four just came out a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, don't you don't have to? I mean, spoilers or whatever. Uh, I'm assuming David, you're relatively caught up on it. Uh, I'm up to volume four, so like okay. a little behind, but not too far behind. Do they address the internet? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to happen. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's not like a hipster thing. It's like no. radio is where you can go and get your hands dirty compared to everywhere else. Yeah. Because like only old people really care about it, I guess. Yeah. She did kind of mention that uh, where she was like, it's radio. So I don't even, it doesn't even matter. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like making a podcast. Uh, no, it's, but, but, uh, but everybody knows it. Like in this world, everybody knows it because all of her customers like, yeah, you know, start posting uh, about it. I would say radio has a slightly different place in Japan than it does in North America. I actually listened yeah. to the radio in the car for the first time today. I was doing some errands and, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, this was a thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am listening to music that someone else is choosing for me instead of a curated Spotify list that I like go in and decide on. That's uh, that's interesting. But I think it it is more present, maybe, in my experiences in Japan. It could be, especially talk radio. Um, mm-hmm. There's a ton, speaking of podcasts, there's just a ton of Japanese language podcasts that are radio and advice and things like this that I found out about from uh, from Jocelyn, who listens to them. And uh, Jocelyn Allen, who's a translator, who's kind of all of our friend. And I would, you would never know, right? Like we were kind of in an English bubble, but that's why it's so weird. So this actually came out in 2015, uh, this volume of manga. And we actually just got the first volume in May of, uh, of last year, of 2020. And they've released, they will have, they will have released five volumes in, this, in the course of one year to try and catch up. So mm-hmm. it really isn't the kind of manga that tends to get released in North America. And uh, I was actually really, it, it did so well in France, I think they kind of had no choice. It actually won a big translation award and it was doing really well. And Samura still has a big fan base here in North America. But yeah, I, I'll be honest um, in terms of what I thought. there's an anime too. Which is- and there's an anime, well, that probably didn't hurt. but the anime starts uh with the bear story like midway through another volume like it starts very in media res and then flashes back to the events of this episode a little bit at a time which Mm -hmm. i or this this volume sorry which i think is a very wise choice because quite honestly after the first chapter i wasn't sold if i hadn't if we had been doing this podcast i wouldn't have read it Uh, i would have been just like Nah, it's it's fine, but it's not for me. That's mm-hmm. too bad. But uh, I'm glad I did finish it out. I think it ends in a very good place. But there are, yeah, it's just such a, it's a mess. Like I honestly <laughs> think that it's a mess in this first volume. Like he keeps like the the boss keeps like mentioning this old timey like uh, actress that he this the Minare kind of reminds him of and mm-hmm. every time she's about to be like what are you talking about some convenient plot point makes it so that they don't actually finish up on that and it's just like <laughs> oh we're going to make we're going to make a plan to get together if if at 30 we're both not married like straight out of friends if at 30 we're both not married and you have a restaurant I'll come work with you and like <laughs> it's just like he's throwing a lot but at the, the wall in the this boss, first volume the boss and the actress bit felt like a comedy bit to me yeah, same. I, because it's so it's so like she's like, oh, whatever about this. Like, we'll talk about this at some other point. Like, it's mm. it's such a funny. Like you keep thinking it's going to turn moving and it never gets to the moving part. It's almost like a shaggy dog joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like someone being like, oh, but there is that thing about the actress. And like that just kind of keeps coming up. It's like, no, oh, no, no, no. We'll get to that later. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was funny. I. Yeah, I don't know. I so the, I I got to the afterward and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, where he write the author writes an afterward. There are times when even I, the writer, question just what kind of manga this is. So I can only imagine how you, the readers, must feel. My editor told me, let's do a story about love and radio. But by the end of volume one, putting the radio aspect aside, I was shocked to realize the romance component made up maybe one percent of the whole book like yeah it's not it is not he's a really really good comics creator uh samura is amazing like he's got thousands of pages under his belt when he gets to when he gets to this volume and it's kind of fun honestly to just see him kind of dicking around and feeling 
trying to figure out what this story is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think he does. Um, but yeah, she doesn't start she doesn't start the job <laughs> on the radio till the last page of this book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I th- I think it's really interesting. I feel like I learned a lot, weirdly enough, about different ways that the culture interacts. And I like Hokkaido. I don't mind writing a story there set there at all. And it's beautiful. Like there are just so many pages that are really beautiful. But it is it is a badly put together first volume, and I absolutely would have bounced <laughs> off of it. I absolutely would have bounced off of it were it not for this podcast. But now I finished it, and I feel pretty good about that. I, and would, I would like to read to, volume two. Please read volume two because volume yeah, two keep going. starts. It, it starts. It goes on the on ramp, and it starts picking up speed. That's in, great. You can you a, can you can tell with volume one that he's figuring out the story he wants to tell, mm-hmm. but each step is fun and interesting. So I actually don't mind it. Yeah, that's kind of a part of the process. Yeah, so I can I can I can see how you bounce off of it, but for me that kind of just added to it the fact that I'm just like, oh, it's this. Oh no, it's this. Oh, but what about that? But what about this? Like, because by the end I was like, oh okay, like he set all these pieces up. This whole volume was about setting up all these pieces, and that that's what makes me want to get to volume two to see how he starts paying them off. Yeah, was it though? Like, or did was it just? Let's put this in and see if this goes anywhere. And then it kind of does. Like he, there's so it's many kind starts of and stops. So many starts and stops. I think it is definitely sort of cut like a music video where every scene is mm. either three pages long or eight. You know, there's like no medium length scenes. It's cutting very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I think that pace kind of benefits it in the graphic novel form because I was like, I flew through this volume. Mm-hmm. It was such a fast read and still very dense at the same time. But I actually first saw this series in 2017. Uh, I had to look on Twitter to go back and find when I first started talking about it. But it was serialized on Crunchyroll's manga app at the time. Uh, That's where it's been coming out uh, monthly since then. And I found the page that convinced me I was going to keep reading it, which I think is in chapter three or four, when she finds out that she's not like a very neat drunk and she's been... Yeah, that was really funny. That's like, so that's good. The thing. Yeah. It's actually funny. He pulled the rug out in a really good way with that. Uh yeah. you should explain it just for the just for the listeners yes. a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah, so early in the very first chapter, uh she gets drunk and then there's like a flash to her sleeping in bed, like topless face down, where she's like, This always happens. But she's she explains that she comes home, she puts her shoes very carefully, like in the doorway, like she folds her clothes, yada yada yada. And then like a hundred pages later, you find out that she's actually been coming home drunk, getting into her neighbor's apartment. And then her neighbor, (laughs) this poor, long suffering man, takes her up to her apartment, like sorts out her clothes, like puts her in bed. And she just thought that she was responsible the entire time. (laughs) And it's such a good comedic bit because it goes from her like sleeping on the ground, being like kind of talking to herself. to this guy lifting her up, you're like, whoa, who is this guy? And she does like a uh, a Frankensteiner from wrestling and slams him on the ground and calls the cops. And the very yeah. next panel is her apologizing to him and the police. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was my yeah, it favorite, absolutely favorite killed me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Like the, I knew he could draw. I didn't realize he was this funny. Mm. Even yeah, it must, it must the, have been something coming. Like, if you were a fan of the Blade of the Immortal, I can't even imagine the whiplash that you must have had discovering this. Theory. It's weird. It's like mm. I can't even really explain how weird it is to go from Blade to this because it's so. There's no hook. Like, there's nothing special. There's nothing supernatural. It's like, oh, people like radio, and she's really good at talking trash. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> and yeah. then there's like, these asides, like the talking turtles. Yes, I love the turtles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that turtle reveal, that turtle instruction reveal was actually my funniest, was the funniest joke of the book Where she's like, oh, the turtles are here and there's the tiny note and then she opens it up and then they give it a full page and I'm just like dying laughing. It's it great. So it, it said so much about the the, the character, the, the roommate. Uh, I forget her yeah. name. Mizuho? Mizuho? Yeah. Mizuho. Mizuho? Um yeah, it's a joke, but it also reveals character, which is like the best kind of uh, mm-hmm. joke in in a book like this, right? And yeah, the, the more the more we talk about, it, the more I think about it. Like, I think this is a brilliant volume. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really I think there's so much done here, and uh, there's so many interesting things that are set up for the rest of the series that uh, 
uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to follow up with it. Yeah, hmm. I think the emotional acting, like the actual acting of the characters, as opposed to like the fighting and that kind of thing, is really strong as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they're in Mizuho's apartment and they're both drinking together, they both have very different postures. Yeah, you know, like uh, Minari's trying to look very like older and like uh, wise beyond her years, and Mizuho's very excited and leaning forward. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, this is this is a, a solid recommendation. When did you know that you liked the book? Do you, was there a moment or a page uh, for everyone? We can start with Chip. I kind of I I liked it from the get go. Mm-hmm. Once 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 you realize what's happened to her when they start playing her words on the radio and she like <laughs> storms to the station. Um, that's when I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be this kind of a story. Yeah, and and I was in. You know the the turtle thing was great. You know the reveal of the the uh, uh, the the neighbor stuff was fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I yeah, I, I was I was in from the get go, and kind of as it went on, I was actually impressed. Like you know, I kind of made fun of the fact that it ends with her starting her job or saying yes to the job. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I was I was actually Im- impressed that they didn't even get to it until that point. Like there was so much to talk about and so many characters introduced in so many situations that it's like, Oh, like holding off on the meat of your story for that long and still have it be wildly interesting. Like I haven't, yeah. I haven't even met people at the radio station yet, except for like a couple of characters. Like mm-hmm. the fact that that's going to be a whole thing. The fact that she's starting from the bottom too, because you know that it's going to be that kind of story where it's like, Oh yeah, she's got the 3 a.m. slot. But I, I haven't read ahead, but I have a feeling she's <laughs> going to do well and she's yeah. going to make her way up at some point. And I love those stories. I love the kind of like climbing up from the bottom. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with Christopher Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> I think the more I think about it, the more I think this is an amazing, perfect first volume of a manga series. Mm. And I'm an expert I'm, in I'm an expert in manga. Don't forget. It's true. <laughs> Chris, how about you? Uh, I was probably yeah. The turtle scene, which is pretty far along, when she moves in with uh, her coworker, mm-hmm. I think was the the moment where I was like, okay, I think I like there is going to be. That's that's it. I don't see a page number here. There are not page numbers. Oh, there, there's one. So that's that like 120 pages through the book where I'm like, <laughs> okay, there's going to be some narrative through here where like the entire, hmm, the first like five or six chapters, I felt like the entire tone and like, like everything about the story, what the story was going to be was changing completely mm-hmm. from chapter to chapter. It felt really, uh, unbalanced to me i guess but as soon as she gets into the the apartment and she's going to have some sort of like there is going to be some sort of regularity that's when i was like okay yeah i'm i i I get this and by the end i was like yeah i want to see what happens next for sure but Mm -hmm. yeah those first few chapters i found were like that's the thing like they weren't even bad no this is the problem not the problem this is the problem of manga air quotes on problem pretend i Quotes, you have to okay. say air quotes on both sides otherwise the air entire quotes, podcast air quotes, will be air an air quote <laughs> isn't it uh, air, the problem with manga is uh, we only get the stuff that for the most part like 99.9% of what's published here is kind of the best of the crop of what's being released in Japan there's so much more being released in Japan than we can get here than we'll and ever get here lots of crappy isekai let's admit it yeah. <laughs> lots, of, lots of crappy isekai lots of like even Shonen Jump we're not even getting every Shonen Jump series because there's gag series and four panel comics and all kinds of stuff that don't get translated that are in Weekly Jump if you buy the print edition uh, and those they're not even bothering with that for World Jump and that's just the way it is like there's just some stuff that's very specific to Japan that comes out of a cultural and artistic tradition of manga in Japan that would be difficult to translate. So yeah, and Samura in particular, even within Japan, is just good. Like he's really, really good. So mm-hmm. the fact that he did five chapters of a manga that's trying to find its feet, it's still you get to read a hundred pages of Samura manga. That's there are a lot worse things that you could do on either side of the uh, Pacific. 
yeah, I think that that's like the whole thing with like the curry restaurant and opening up a stall at the fair under a different name and like you find out that that actually that's nothing none of that made any difference at all to the story he's already surpassed and then the like girl who comes in and volunteers yeah. work for like <laughs> supporting her brother who injured the owner of the curry yeah. shop that doesn't go anywhere like it's and i don't think i don't know maybe oh, it does oh it, it does it, it does, it does. <laughs> it's clearly it, set it's up just, like like it's not like anything's getting wrapped happens, up in volume but one something like that happens every single chapter for the first five chapters none of it gets resolved and it just keeps shifting and shifting and shifting if you read that in a western comic book would you feel as generously towards it depends if, if on this the was creator. If yeah, this was if this creator. was That's true. volume one of a new image book or whatever, I'd be over the moon. Like I, I think don't think it'd get a volume two. I, I, I think there's... if you got six issues of this, uh, where it's just like completely random. And he, she doesn't even like the premise that's on the back of the book isn't explored in the book until the very last page. I don't <laughs> think it'd get a second volume. I don't think I think the American market is so cutthroat right now. It's extre mm. it is extremely well told chaos, which reflects the main character's mm. life. Um, okay, uh, that that's that's, that's uh, that that makes it all just kind of make sense for me going through. And like you know, you mentioned the the, the mysterious <laughs> young woman who comes in to help the restaurant and like that clearly going somewhere because she's taking over all these areas of the restaurant and doing them much better than the main character. <laughs> like the page of her looking at the blog was extremely good. <laughs> oh, that was so good. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a great use of space. Just that blog. And just like that, it's a side view of her. Just like, just like looking, just looking at the fact that this girl just comes in and does her job way better than her. Yeah. Just, oh yeah, I've already updated the blog. Just you did what? Yeah. Looks at the screen like, oh, like this the girl who just came out of nowhere writes way better blog posts about bread and curry than she does. And she's like, because <gasps> that's the only thing she's good at. <laughs> uh, Deb, when did it click for you? Was there was there a moment? Oh, I love this part where the she's when she goes, um, she hears herself on the radio, and when she's in the restaurant, mm -hmm. and then she says, she drops everything and says. I'm going down to that radio station right now. So she goes there, and then she grabs the mic at a certain point, and she says, Mitsuo, even if it's to the, run to the ends of the earth, I will hunt you down and kill you. <laughs> and then at the last panel of that, of that chapter, it says, there's a guy and a girl, and he says, Mitsuo from Fukuoka, what are the chances, huh? Yeah, that was a <laughs> <laughs> joke's also really good in the anime. <laughs> <laughs> her her running from the restaurant also brings up another one of my favorite parts which is the later reveal that she's also kind of a YouTube star because people filmed her running out of the <laughs> restaurant <laughs> yeah th there are so many like I couldn't choose my uh, the point where it clicked the song since it's a reread for me but a point yeah. that I appreciated a lot was uh, around page 56 when she first gets the offer of a radio job and immediately Googles the salary and starts yes, talking yes. trash to her boss. Because <laughs> he's like, she, she thinks, oh, God, I got this radio job, right? So she, she's like, you know, telling her boss, like, ha ha, you know, I'm going to quit. And then she finds out how much she's going to make. And she's like, uh, how about I just work, like, like take a pay cut? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a trope in, uh, in manga where the person with the upper hand will appear bigger than the other person. Mm -hmm. So, like, Spider-Man very small down here, like, Kingpin up like this. Yeah. That happens in Fist of the North Star. It happens in JoJo's. And it happens here where she's looming over her boss and, like, using his name really familiar familiarly. Mm -hmm. And then you see her shrink. And it's such a good use <laughs> of the comic's form. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in such a realistic-looking manga. Like, it's, it's clearly drawn. It's cartooned. Mm -hmm. But it's rooted in real life in a way that you wouldn't think you, you could get away with a lot of, like, cartoony hijinks. Yeah, but they do constantly. They're like the screaming, the fighting, the but flashbacks. It's not, drawn in a, in a, it's not drawn in a goofy way. It's just yeah. like people yelling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's impressive that it maintains the style and is able to kind of float back and forth between that kind of the realism and the cartooniness, mm -hmm. and, and have it feel still unified. Like clearly, they know how to create a comic. Yeah. The weird <laughs> yeah. part about it is, it's like you know, I'm so used to his style, which is very scratchy and very moody mm -hmm. um, and have it with such 
funny content. Yeah. I'm so used to seeing this style of drawing and these types of, he draws wonderful women. Mm -hmm. And they're not tied up in <laughs> right. being, you know. Blade of the Immortal gets really cut. unpleasant for like five volumes. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of get like that the die wargler which I cannot mm -hmm. pronounce. For, um, I was flipping through that and it it, it the kind of S and M BDSM scenes. In yeah, very much so. Are like almost like tagame like tagame intense, like yeah. violent, like oh. Yeah, I will say if you like the art in the book, do not check out his art books, which are yeah, full of very not. beautiful drawings of horrible things. <laughs> All right, good to know. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating that, based on that, that this is something that he's decided to devote years of his life to. Yeah, it's fairly clean. Like there are a few moments where it's like, oh, that's like a really good drawing of feet, and that makes me feel weird. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> because that's one of his things. Uh, here, that's this is another quote from the from the afterward by the author. Yeah. I'm getting older, so I feel it's about time I tone, tone it down with the torture porn and parody stories, and this manga is the result of that compulsion. <laughs> He's so funny! <laughs> oh, it's Imagine having that thought. Imagine sitting back one, one day and going, you know what? No more torture porn. No more <laughs> torture porn. You yeah. know, props to the translator, man. Yeah, this one illustration of the girl sitting with her feet like just in the camera and like the sides of her bums kind of Scarlett Johansson in uh, <laughs> Lost in Translation. I was like, oh, I know what that drawing is. I know why yeah. that's there. But, but I think okay. all of this, like all the stuff that Chris mentioned that adds up for like a very bumpy read made it really mm -hmm. kind of thrilling for me because I couldn't see what was coming next. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. On, like that, honestly, yeah, I could not see what was coming next. And sometimes because it was ridiculous and like literally unforced, like who, no one would say, oh, the sister of the guy who hit the owner would come work here. But it's such a good twist that you you're like, OK, we're doing like the melodrama thing. Like I'm, I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. But even the characters comment, it's really weird that the sister of the guy who hit the boss yeah. has come to work here. Like that's not even Japanese melodrama. That's like, no, this is weird. This is like well, and that's it. The characters are pointing out a plot contrivance. And that's another thing that knocked me out of the story a little bit where it was just mm. like, this is, I don't know about, and anyway, maybe but she feel like that's going curry firm. I don't know. Is that not going somewhere? It's going no, somewhere. No, Deb says it's going somewhere. Yeah, it's it is going, going somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. They, the, the characters were echoing what we're thinking, but also, yeah, keep an eye on her because this is weird. Like something's mm -hmm. up here, um, but they also need the help. So it's like, you know, <laughs> rocking like a hard can I also point out too, um, the fact that she created this, what was it? Uh, rolled tapioca pudding into bite-sized pieces and fried them. Yeah. They call mm. it popping flour. I want that so bad. Right. <laughs> what is like, that? Like, like if that's just a casual thing that is dropped into the story. <laughs> I'm like, that's that was so amazing because I, I, I thought about that too. That how does the how does she do this? How yeah. Do you fried tapioca pudding. That's <laughs> amazing. Do you freeze it? Um, that sounds. Yeah, actually, you know what? I feel like I got by a lot of this, where a lot of the stuff that, well, other than the podcast and having to talk about it tonight, yeah, uh, I feel like a lot my familiarity with a lot of the Hokkaido stuff because uh, I have really good friends, uh, Keith and Mino. If you're listening, I love mm. you. Uh, that live in Hokkaido. Oh, you guys met them when we were in. We, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we all went to Hokkaido together, which makes <laughs> yeah. us extra weird. But uh, we had Genghis but, yeah. Khan. I had like the stuff that I love about Hokkaido is all in this book. So that was actually really nice, that part of it. Um, and that's one of the things that maybe kept me going as well was yeah. the fact that it's like it's spending time in a place that I can't spend time right now in the real world. So it, it was name good. drops real places. Real, yeah. Like when it talks like, oh, you know, he brought this high end manju from this store. It's like, I want to go there. <laughs> that's not <laughs> yummy. <laughs> It's funny when I was when I was reading this, I wondered if David recommended it partly because it took place in Hokkaido, knowing uh, that that's, like, that's like one of the only things that I have any kind of connection to because we yeah. went there. It's a happy coincidence. Happy coincidence. Okay. Yeah, um, I do want to get into the the creepy coworker, um, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like he's a trope that comes up in manga and anime okay. pretty frequently, yeah. which is like this really motivated like the love declaration guy. And yeah. you're going to get married because he wants to get married that bad. 
Yeah. But she's so not into it that it it becomes a weird running joke where he's like, all right, I'm going to get my restaurant and then we'll fall in love and marry. And she's like, great, I will work in your restaurant and leaves it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that I missed, uh, he was definitely annoying, but I think the creepy subtext was kind of lost on me because I'm so used to this kind of guy showing up. He's, he's mm. so stuck in the friend zone, he doesn't even know. Yeah. He's in such he denial is. that he's in the friend zone. Uh, then, there, then there's the thing with him and the mysterious new girl too, which is like kind of a nice little beginning of a plot for people's yeah. volumes. <laughs> sure. And the thing with him and the gay boss and the thing with, yeah. yeah, we could do this like literally every five pages has got a new, maybe they'll follow up on that in the future kind of moment. And I, it's, yeah. I mean, he has the world's radar. I'm glad, you, radar, like it. I'm right? glad <laughs> you like it. And I, I am on board with it at the end of the volume, but I was not. I would be, uh, I, I would say I would feel upset as, as irate as uh, Chris is. Mm-hmm. Um, furious. If, if, furious. if this, if this volume were two or three volumes, because if mm. I if I read half of this in volume one, and then went to volume two and got the other half of this, and at the end she's starting the radio station and all these things have been started, I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh come on, like we have to kind of <laughs> we gotta we gotta go somewhere. But mm. uh, but this this all felt like this great setup for for uh, volume two. Mm. It's interesting. This is something that we're actually that's by and about adults. Mm. Yeah. Yep, it's yep. not about teens or it's it's not like mystical or whatever. And maybe it's that's not even a reason. token little kid for you to feel like, oh, cute. <laughs> no. Yeah. The no turtles are the closest it's, thing. The turtles. Yeah. <laughs> turtles. And Mitsuho, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. very pure. Yeah. Do, do you think the book is sympathetic to the main character? Like she's a hot mess. And I think it's super <laughs> obvious like that she's a mess. But do you think the book punishes her for that? Well, then is uh, yes. it torture porn again <laughs> as well? Is that it doesn't, the question? It, it doesn't punish her yet because things are looking good for her. Mm-hmm. Like even as thing, even things that kind of go wrong aren't like big setbacks. Yeah. Um, because they, they, cause they turn out to be good things. Like, mm. you know, she packs up everything on her back to go live in the storage room of the radio station. Mm-hmm. But then she ends up with this delightful roommate with a clean place like it's, it's, it's that kind of story <laughs> where she's kind of fucked up but then she ends up in a good position mm-hmm. so yeah i don't I, I didn't get that feeling from it there was one joke in there you mentioned jokes kind of revealing character being really good uh when she has the big backpack on her back and she's like it weighs like 40 pounds mm-hmm. she mentions that she took her entire collection of glass mask which is a shoujo manga. Like she, it's full of comic books. Yes. <laughs> and that says a lot about who she is and what she, what she prioritizes. And also what better way to, uh, uh, get your reader to love your main character. Than yeah. Have them carting all their manga around with them. <laughs> and yeah. it's a ridiculously it's brilliant. It's brilliant. over the top dramatic manga, like an old school yeah. over the top. Crazy. <laughs> it's like iconic manga. shoujo, right? Like galaxy eyes and everything. Yeah, it's about a, a glass mask. It's about a girl who becomes an actress, and whenever she kind of gets in the zone of like being in the character, her eyes go blank. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> riveting. It's, it's interesting that there's this mysterious actress character mentioned in this first volume. Maybe there's a connection there. Mm, I could see that. Mm. Chris That'd does not see that. Development. <laughs> I'm sure it'll show up again in volume nine or ten. I mean, yeah. the glass mask thing was just kind of a throwaway detail. Yeah, it was just a gag. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just so funny. Like you know, the, like the throwaway detail, like what to feed the turtles. Yeah, and, and then she's saying, "Turtles are so amazing. You know, they they can eat food that has been they that's been water that's filled with oh, their yeah. own poop." And it's like, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> like the Japanese government was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! That terrible yes. joke, and it that, that I actually really like that that joke. And sorry, I didn't, I didn't like, dislike any of this. I just didn't like how it didn't come together. Maybe, but like, yeah, yeah that joke was so good because you could totally hear just like the Japanese government. And then she looks around, and she's like, "All oh, right, there's no one here to laugh at my joke. How am I going to be on radio? I'm never going to have any feedback at all." Like yeah. that was good. Like a joke revealing character, absolutely. That was that was a good one. And again, he's just so talented, and it's interesting to see him directing it towards something like this, as opposed to his last few projects where it's yeah, 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 yeah. The, the torture porn. Yeah. And so, seeing yeah. her try to get better at her job, 
I guess, well, at her prospective job, I like being like, like, how do people do this on the radio? Let me listen to the radio more often. It's sort of like a subtle way to show her studying, mm-hmm. but it's like a couple yeah. panels a chapter, so it doesn't get in the way. It's just sort yeah. of like a subplot, I suppose. Yeah, it's not a training montage or anything. It's just like you kind of drop hints of it here and there. Yeah, it's not very manga, though, is it? No, it's not. Usually, it's, pretty, it's so much it's more very grown overt, up, though, isn't it? I mean, there's this part where she says. Oh yeah, you know, like getting a sponsor for my radio show. It's like maybe five hundred dollars or something like that. <laughs> and then her the the Nakahara looks at him like spoken like a person who has never had a real job, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very grown up humor. And it's it's um not grown up in a in a weird kind of way, but grown up like, yeah, that's a grown up joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a part part of the reason why I recommended this was that it fits in sort of a similar category as sex criminals to me, where it's comics for adults by adults. And there's like an edge to both series, uh, a different edge, but both series have an edge. Uh, okay. I suppose. Now you're now you're speaking to me. All right. Yeah, this is yeah. great. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like imagine all the good parts of like Spider Man comics where it's like his relationships, his job, and this is just that. Yeah. Mm. No, it's, it's, yeah, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Does anybody else have any other comments? Anything we want to tackle? This feels like the first time we've had one person uh, either <laughs> Stop on the singling fence, me out, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> or, or having it be a, a, a not recommend, uh, yeah. which is, which I think is great. Like, you know, cause these can't all be like, yeah, this is great. What's the next one? Super positive. Mm-hmm. I think that's so healthy. It, I mean, I was, I, I was convinced you, you guys would hate, you know, what the font, honestly. Mm. So I, I recommended that to explaining people things since we <laughs> did, did the really? podcast last week. Yeah. I've encountered people that have been like, I just read this manga, what the font and you do design. You should read that. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I know I've heard about it. And mm, like, yeah, like it's good. I think after that episode airs, everyone's going to be. Everyone's I yeah. I don't know. How, how would you recommend this? To, uh, here's here's a question I have for the group. How, other than Garth Ennis doing Sesame Street after Preacher ends, how would now that you've read the first volume, would you still recommend it the same way to like to somebody else? Like because it does it does do that thing where the premise of the book doesn't get intru- doesn't get really going until the last page and into volume two. Uh, and you you know this is the other thing. You very specifically bounced off of manga a little bit where it was like, yeah, I'm going to have to read six volumes of this to get the story. I'm going to have to read 12 volumes of this to get the story with the first few that we were doing. Whereas this is one that's like, you don't even get the story until the end. It's just like dicking around in a fun way, but you're, got, you're more on board with it. I'm really shocked. I got tons of story in this. Mm. Like, I think, I think, I think that's, that's we're we're coming at it from different uh different angles i think like for me this was a lot of story like mm. i don't i don't necessarily need it to be the premise of the book the premise of the book is this character and her chaotic life and the people that surround her mm-hmm. and all these divergent stories that have her somewhat as the nexus of it um mm. her getting the radio show like i don't know i might i might bounce after she kind of starts doing that like maybe that won't interest me but this mm-hmm. stuff has interested me um I, I would, I can't think of people I wouldn't recommend this to, like especially if they're into like when I think of a North American audience, I think of Saga, where you mm. have like all of these kind of things kind of happening and all these kind of interesting new characters kind of pop up and have their own kind of storylines and lead their own kind of rich lives. Um, uh, I would I would easily recommend this to somebody who enjoys that because mm. it is it's like it's like grown up for grown ups. In, in, a, in a similar way, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's akin to Broad City in a lot of ways. Yeah. Where it's like our life is a mess, but that's okay because we're just going to stubborn our way through everything and hope it works out. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if you lean on the relationships on like the messiness of the main character, there's a bunch of different ways you could pitch it to people, actually. Mm. I think if my expectations... Uh, had been different going into this volume. Mm. If I had not been like, <laughs> it's like fucking Poochie. When do they get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> they don't. They don't get to the fireworks factory. They just yeah. never fucking get to the fireworks factory. And it's like, okay, if I if it had been like, we're gonna go on a journey. Uh, 
Yeah, I was very concerned with the destination, maybe, and not as much with the journey. And I, mm. I wish that I had a chance to read this a second time before the podcast today. I think maybe I actually just before we started, I started reading the first chapter again, and the first chapter works a lot better for me, having <laughs> gotten to the end already and started over again. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's just a case of expectations getting in the way of what was actually there for me as a reader, but. Mm-hmm. I also kind of assumed that it would be the same for everybody. So that's interesting that you all are you you must be really going into this with an open mind, Chip. I, I go into everything with an open mind, Chris. <laughs> just, to, just who I am. <laughs> Got one last question before the break, which is uh, a manga explaining tradition at this point. The only color page we've got this time is the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about the cover art and sort of the execution on that? Because we had interesting comments on Otomo, Takahashi, and um, Helter Skelter. I think it's probably the best one that we've had so far. Mm. Like in, in terms of like kind of engaging the the audience. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well designed. Uh, I love her kind of yelling at us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the word balloons are unique to the to the English version. In the, oh, really? in the Japanese version, there's no word balloons on the cover. Mm. Uh, it's just her yelling. <laughs> <laughs> even, I, if there, I, even if there wasn't, I'd still like it. Yeah. I, mean, I think they did it just to kind of give readers a flavor of what's going on. Oh, weird. The solicitation cover for the first English volume doesn't have the word balloons on it either. They must have added it really late in the game. That's interesting. Mm. It's If you look at... So I have the Kindle edition that I've been reading. Mm. And the word balloons are on the thumbnail but not in the actual book. Weird. Oh, okay. So I suspect like from, you know, like having to write cover copy and things like that, it was definitely updated at a later date where they were like, we got to explain what this book is about to people. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, I didn't even notice the turtle on the front. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) It's great. Like it's such a good motif and the turtle doesn't show up till like a hundred pages in. Yeah. I didn't even notice the turtle. <laughs> is, is is that why you were upset, Chris? Like you saw the turtle and you were like, where's the turtle? For where's pages? the turtle coming? <laughs> uh, but then I was so delighted when the turtle got there that I was on board, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think I like this a lot. I've always liked his color stuff. It's uh, subdued in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the cover design is really good too. Mm-hmm. They've, they've taken the Japanese style of the cover on volume one and really run with it in a good way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. That's the thing. I wish, I wish I had been like I don't know. I'm gonna give volume two a shot. Uh, check in with me next episode, I guess. But uh, I, I do want to give volume two a shot and see where it goes because I actually really like these kinds of stories usually. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what it was. Well, I think I know what it was. I <laughs> talked enough about it. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we forgive you, Chris. It's okay. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it, guys. I know we. I know we don't want to like you know stay on this too long, but you know just looking at the cover and then going back to the uh, the first pages. That that first double page spread of him looking out the window mm. and the the crying woman who's probably the actress. Mm-hmm. Which I just, oh, which I just, I just assumed that oh. was. I just, I just pieced it together now that that's the actress, like the way she's dressed and the the, oh, okay. in the face. Oh. It's such a gorgeous spread. It's yeah. so well drawn. It's so well designed, and it like like that sucked me in right away. Like I yeah, would I would have shadows. I had no problem with reading the whole book based on just that image. Awesome. Yeah. Can I can uh, I be really nitpicky for one sec though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The binding on this, the art is so close. To, you guys all have digital, or do you, Deb? Have you got uh, digital? digital. Yeah, yeah. Digital. on the uh, on the physical, the binding is so tight, and the art goes so close to the gutters that oh. I actually lost some stuff in the gutters uh, at certain mm. points. It was actually hard to read. Uh, so, Kodansha, if you're listening, please give us another eighth of an inch on the interior gutters if you can. <laughs> uh, I lost like actual text at one point. I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah. Uh, anything that bleeds right, anything that bleeds into the gutter is like is like lost. <gasps> Oh. Uh, but I imagine reading digital. Maybe I'll switch to. It's maybe all, I'll do one digital. Everything in the gutters, like we can see it here, and you can't. It's all turtles. It's all it's tiny just turtles? turtles. Yeah, it's wild. Oh shit! It's yeah. like a turtle it's party. Awesome. <laughs> turtle party. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a dense read. It's got a lot of text in there. So yeah. Mm. Cool. Not bleach. 
<laughs> we'll get to that one. <laughs> Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. And welcome back to Manga Splaining, the number 11 manga podcast on iTunes right now or something like that. <laughs> in, in Canada. In, in Canada under the subsection books. Nice. We are killing We're it. There. We're killing it. <laughs> uh, I didn't mention it at the top of the cast, but we just announced that Manga Splaining is a thing after working in secret for a couple of months. So it's pretty exciting to have everything out. And we've got a cool lineup of books coming in the over the next few weeks. First up, we have Yatsuba and by uh, is it Kiyohiko Azuma Deb? Yep. Uh, what can you tell us about Yatsuba? Yatsuba is kind of a gentle slice of life um, comedy. It's about mm -hmm. a. It's ostensibly it's a seinen manga. It's created for adult readers, but it's kind of an all ages comic. It's about a young girl. She's like maybe preschool. She has green hair, and she moves to a new town with her dad. And Yotsuba, it's, it's called Yotsuba and, or, um, because it's Yotsuba and whatever she encounters that day. So mm. she has all kinds of interesting adventures. She meets the neighbor girls, and it's just a super funny series. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's beautifully drawn. Um, her, his comic timing is incredible. And it just gets better and better as it goes on. But it's also very episodic. There's not really an overarching story arc. It's just kind of like Yotsuba's adventures. Yeah. So it's a, I'd say it's, it's a, if it's not 180, it's about a 90 degree turn from this week's. Yeah. <laughs> it's very innocent. <laughs> it's also very funny though. I got to say it's uh it is similarly jokes. Yeah. So after, well, Yotsuba, after that is, is, yeah, it's yours. It's Seven Billion Needles, right? Yeah, this is an old favorite of mine from when I was writing about comics. It, came, it was published by Vertical at the time. It's, I believe it's by Kodansha now, or maybe like a co-pub. But it's an adaptation, a very loose adaptation of a sci-fi story uh, that was, I believe, just called Needle by Hal Clement from 1950. And it stars a young lady named Hikaru. She's like a reclusive teenage girl, like she doesn't have many friends. And then she explodes one day and then wakes up reconstituted because of nano machines sci-fi whatever and she learns that there's a uh like basically a space cop inside of her and then things get weird <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i when i first read it i was really struck by like the art was really interesting the aesthetic was really cool and it really took a sci-fi story in a new direction and like the setting i don't know it was really fascinating to me uh, so i'm looking forward to rereading it for the first time in probably 10 years Whenever it came out. Right. Chris, you've got our ninth episode, Tech on Concrete. Tech on Concrete, which I did not actually say what it was about last time we talked about it and picked it <laughs> on the episode, is about two boys who live in uh, this area of town. Uh, it's based on a real place in Osaka, in the south of Osaka, called Treasure Town. And they are a gang of two. They're both, you know, preteens that are hyper violent uh, and they beat up the other gangs in town sort of terrorizing the town but also think that they're the city's protectors in a sort of weird twist on maybe superheroes but also some other darker stuff and uh, one day a bigger gang comes to town is what you need to know and how they deal with that and the place that they live and the lives that they've lived up to that point is all thrown thrown into jeopardy thrown out the window and uh, yeah, it's a really good. It's a it's a standalone volume. It was originally published as three volumes as black and white uh, back in the day, uh, and now it is released as a one volume called Tech on Concrete Black and White, available digital and print from Viz Media. Chris, that was an excellent description of that story. <laughs> I learned from the best, Deb, David. Thank you. <laughs> We're trying. What I love about your description is that whatever art style Chip is imagining for that story, it's like definitely going to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. All right, all right. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I do want to throw Chip a curveball, then we can maybe think about some shout outs. 
So this is our sixth episode. You've read about a thousand, maybe twelve hundred pages of manga at this point. Uh, what do you think, dude? Manga, <laughs> like yay or nay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, oh, definitely, uh, definitely yay. I've really enjoyed the diversity of stories, like mm-hmm. like everything that you guys have picked so far and curated has been. They've all been wildly different from each other and engaging in totally different ways. Also, just a variety of styles, too, which is the one thing that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. For some reason, in my head, like manga was two styles. <laughs> like, you know, porn and not porn. <laughs> basically, like Sailor Moon and Lone Wolf and Cub. Like, those were the ah. kind of the two things in my head. And I would just kind of lump things into those categories, even having, you know, read like some Rama when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of Sailor Moon. Yeah. Um, and, it's on know. that end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and, you know, you mentioned Blade of the Immortal. Like, I have a vague, you know, idea of what it looks like. And it's Lone Wolf and Cub. Like, yeah. those are the two things. And, and so far, uh, all these uh, titles have been um, so different from each other artistically and with what they're trying to do with the stories and the genres they're playing with that uh, I'm super fascinated and like uh, i'm excited i'm actually genuinely excited to see where this <laughs> podcast goes uh, yeah and to see how uh, powerful i'm going to become by the end you'll be like the oprah for manga oh man <laughs> that's, that's all i could have ever hoped for <laughs> i'm really glad to hear that because uh like obviously you know doing a podcast with friends is fun um you know we've been to japan and hung out a lot together but also like talking about books like something that we all enjoy I feel like elevates it a little bit. So even though it's sort of like, let's throw Chip a curveball and see if he hates this book. It's also like, let's see what he thinks about this book. Yeah. We care about you, Chip. Thank you. And I'm also, I'm learning about myself as a storyteller too. Like I think, uh, I mean, hopefully some of this seeps into my day-to-day work as well. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of you have either worked in manga or work in manga. So I feel like even just revisiting these is going to affect how you all approach your work as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially talking about translation with someone who's not super versed in manga translation. Yeah. Mm. Cause there's always not necessarily like blind spots, but there's things that you accept because it's part of the genre for you because you know, you grew up in it like the frog in the boiling water metaphor. Yeah. And then it's sort of like when my mom saw X-Men comics as a kid and was like, why are these so sexist? And I was like, what yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And then I grew up and I was like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I had the same discussion with my mom after why are these balloons with, made up of a bunch of different bubbles? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, she, like, you just don't even have it in your mind that like there's a visual language that you, we just grew up with that maybe yeah. your parents never had. Awesome. The J. Lee Zealot character cover to Wildcats trilogy number two almost made my mom forbid me from buying comics anymore. And I was like secretly gay. I wasn't even buy- I like J. Lee Zart a lot. I didn't want it for the bondage metal <laughs> bikini cover that J. Lee had put on that. But uh, yeah, I had to have that conversation. Like, mom, that is not why I'm reading it. It's just the stories. It's just they put that on the cover to make it sell. It's not what it's about. I like, read Playboy for the articles. I can't believe yeah, you right? had that conversation <laughs> with your mom. My mom was furious, actually. She's like, what are you reading? And it was so shiny. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we've, we've all had the zealot conversation with our mothers. <laughs> cool. Does anyone have shout outs this week? Yeah, I actually wanted to, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, I've got a real microphone this week. It's thanks to uh, my friends at The Beguiling and my friend Mike Stafford, who was supposed to send me a link to shout out, but didn't. But it's for his (laughs) vinyl Instagram something situation. He's got extra equipment, so now I've got a thing. So thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Hopefully this improves the sound of my voice. And I will put it in the show notes, actually, (laughs) to... To thank, to thank him for it. Um, I should, you know, since you're shouting out your friends, I should probably also shout out my friends uh, Ben and Tommy, the band DADS, yeah, doing our, our theme song. As well. um, you can check out their stuff on Spotify and uh, other places where you you get your music. My shout out is near and dear to the podcast because Daredevil Volume Five Truth Slash Dare. Uh, written by our Chip Zdarsky came out today. Uh, I read the first chapter. Pretty good start. We'll see how it finishes. Um, But I like the series. I like the book. Yeah. 
I was, I was just going to say, because I've been holding off on posting any spoilers on Twitter or in my newsletter because of you specifically. Really? Because I know <laughs> you amazing. read it. In, I know you read it in trade. So whenever yeah. it's like a new variant cover with like my big issue 25 reveal, I, yeah. I have not posted it on Twitter. Like I have not. I'm so anything. flattered right now. You're such a sweetheart. <laughs> like, I, I know. I just like I knew you're reading it in trades. I didn't want to ruin it for you because I knew because you posted something where you're like, "Oh, I haven't seen it." I'm like, "Oh, good. Okay, yeah. all right." I still no. Can't. I still have, I have an idea who it involves that I can guess, but I don't know what happens or how. Okay, great. Which awesome. is a good place like to come into a comic book with, I think, because I'm like, okay, yeah. like let's see if this guy sticks the landing. Yeah. So uh, you might get an angry email from me in two hours. All right, great, perfect. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So thank you for listening to our sixth episode of Manga Splaining. If it's the seventh, I'll fix that in editing. We talked about Hiroaki Samura's Wave Listen to Me, translated by Adam Hirsch, lettered by Darren Smith, edited by Alexandra Swanson for Kodansha uh, Publishing. And on behalf of Chip, Chris, and Deb, we'll see you next week. And thank you for listening. This has been Manga Splaining, Episode 6. Thank you for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Yatsuba An by Kiyohiko Azuma. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.